Welcome to The Perfect Storm, a bi-weekly podcast for business executives and cybersecurity professionals. Industry veterans Michael Markulek and Matthew Webster chat with guests about the latest cyber news, threats, and trends, and how all of it impacts their businesses. Harbor Technology Group is a cybersecurity consulting firm that offers advisory services to the SMB. Harbor believes by taking a proactive rather than reactive approach to cybersecurity, business leaders can develop a cybersecurity program that will address external requirements, exceed client expectations, and ultimately take their organization to the next level. Harbor's innovative processes are based on industry standard frameworks that are tailored to meet the needs of small and medium-sized businesses. Hi, everyone, and thanks again for joining another episode of Harbor Technology Group's Perfect Storm podcast. Today, I have with me uh, Julian Silvestro. Um, he's Director of Insurance and Legal Verticals at SecureWorks, um, and we are going to talk about cyber insurance, which is something that uh, our clients have been asking a lot about. Julian does a, a whole lot of talking about this, so um, I feel like I have a true expert in the house today. So, Julian, thanks for joining me. Um, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about SecureWorks? Sure. Thanks. I mean, first of all, thanks for having me, Matt. It's it's great to be here to to chat with you. Um, and certainly happy to to talk about what I do at SecureWorks. But I think just initially, um, a, a little bit about who we are as a as a firm. Um, so SecureWorks is really, I mean, we're using software as a service, the cloud, AI, twenty years of of SOC you know, SecOps and, and IR experience um, combined with our counter threat intelligence unit uh, to help businesses identify and eliminate security threats faster and with more accuracy. Um, you know, uh, our CEO, Wendy Thomas, often says that SecureWorks has a high purpose. And I think we, we really live that out every day. And, and what it means to us is that we're, we're working every day to secure digital and human progress. We really care about security outcomes that our customers experience. And I think it influences the way that we solve the toughest security challenges because we put, the, uh, we put our clients at the very center of that whole discussion. So within SecureWorks, I'm the director of, of insurance and legal verticals. Uh, where really every day I'm working closely with cyber insurers and privacy law firms to help clients prepare, respond, and recover from cyber events. Um, so that's kind of you know us in a in a 30 second nutshell. And um, I've been here for uh, about six months. I came out of the cyber insurance broking world, um, so that's where uh, I think some of my my expertise could come in handy for this discussion. Today. Oh my God, a business person joining the cyber realm. I love it. I love it. That's right. We need more. That's right. We're yeah, infiltrating. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's cool. Um, and I've known SecureWorks for uh, quite a long time um, as one of the, the really the thought leaders and, and delivery leaders of, of, of cybersecurity. Um, and I love that you said that um, your organization is ner as nerdy as I am, as, as Harbor is about really caring about security for all really is what it comes down to. 
Um, yeah. So enough patting ourselves in the back on how much we care about security. I think it's pretty apparent because that's what we do for a living. Um, let's talk a little bit about cyber insurance. You know, I know you and I have known each other for a really long time, all of about two months. Um, <laughs> we've we've had a number of conversations about you know the clients we serve, the clients you guys serve, how those are coming together, and some of the concerns that not concerns the questions that are coming from the the mid market about cyber insurance. You know, they're being told by their brokers, they're being told by their, their virtual chief information security officer and Harbor Technology Group that they really need to look long long and hard at cyber insurance. So why don't you just give us a, a brief rundown of what cyber insurance really is, what's intended to do, that type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So I think first, you know, when, when the, the coin, when the term cyber insurance was coined, a lot of us who were specialists in the space uh, kind of accepted it begrudgingly, um, mainly because it's not terribly descriptive, right? It, you know, what it, cyber doesn't necessarily mean anything to anybody, or, or you know, it doesn't mean one thing to everybody. It means kind of different things to For different sure. people. Yeah. So when I was kind of coming up in this space, uh, we commonly referred to it as network security and data privacy liability insurance, which I think is a much more descriptive title for what it actually does, right? And tons of words, so, too. It's tons of words, so many <laughs> yeah. words. And so I think that's why we cut it down to a five-letter, <laughs> one-word you know, <laughs> difference. Um, but, but ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, the, the product is structured to help customers, help organizations get through their worst security day. Um, and, and it does that in a number of, of different ways. Um, the, the, the two kind of main tenants of a cyber insurance policy are what's called first party coverage and then what's called third party coverage. So first party coverage being, um, you know, really where SecureWorks comes into the discussion because we would be a, a incident responder. So we help our customers understand and determine what threat they're dealing with, how far it's gotten in their environment, what it may have interacted with within their environment. Um, other first party costs would be things like um, legal counsel, uh, PR consultants, um, you know, issuing notices if you have, you know, personally identifiable information that's been accessed or, or uh, um, you know, stolen. Um, and then, you know, there, there's also a, a business interruption aspect, which falls within the first party coverage. So, if so first you, party, first party being um, the, 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 the purchaser of the insurance, right? The correct, insured. Yeah. So the, the, yeah. the insured's direct loss is what we can right. consider right. it in, in that both, world, right? both hard and soft costs or just something. So you, you talked about business interruption. That's kind of it's, that's a little yeah. bit nebulous on how you figure it out, right? But yeah, so that's where that's where I think the you know the the incident response piece, the legal counsel piece, in my mind, is very much hard cost, right? You get an invoice, you can go here, insurance company, help me pay this invoice, right? right. Very right. direct, straightforward, easy, easy to to contemplate, easy to think about. Um, business interruption and uh, you know some other coverages like reputational harm. Are where this coverage gets really, I think, very interesting, and and you know there is more of an art to it, um, uh, of of you know 
showing a loss of, of you know, providing evidence to an insurer, hey, here's why we think that our business interruption loss is whatever the number at the end of the day is. Right. Um, you know, because because at the end, when when a customer goes to an insurance company and makes a claim, the insurance company needs the appropriate documentation so that they can actually fulfill their obligation and make a payment, right? Um, so, you know, you've got all these first-party coverages, right? So it protects the direct loss of the organization. And that's become a really huge part of the discussion, especially in the last couple of years where ransomware has really exploded. And that's what I was just going to ask. So it, yep. does first-party coverage cover ransoms? It does. It does. It can, so, right? It can. Well, it can. Not, I should yeah. say it can, yeah. right? So the thing to know, uh, I think if you miss everything else that I say today, the one thing to know about cyber insurance is it's not standardized from one insurer to the next. So you can you could get quotes, you could get options from two different insurance companies, and you could have very, very, very different contracts sitting in front of you, and you could have very different levels of coverage. So one of the things that I used to do a lot with my customers was walk them through what the actual coverage was. In and this is when company. you were a, a broker. When I was a broker, right. Right, right. So, you know, it, it's just important to recognize that, you know, I think in other areas of insurance, we've become very accustomed to the, the kind of international standards, um, ISO forms, which are kind of all registered, everybody uses more or less the same policy language, that doesn't exist within cyber. So even what a cyber insurer calls their policy may be different than somebody else, right? right. And so it, it, it becomes a very difficult landscape to navigate, especially for organizations where they don't have, let's say, a full-time risk manager who spends all of their time doing insurance procurement and, you know, understanding what all the various new coverages are. For sure. Right? Yeah, for sure. So before we, before we go jumping off that, 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 that ledge to go really dive into what to look for, et cetera, talk about sure. third-party coverage a little bit, yeah. just so we were, you know, you've mentioned that at the beginning. Yeah. So, so ironically, Third-party coverage is actually where cyber insurance really kind of got its start, right? So about, we'll call it 22 or 23 years ago, um, right around year 2000, um, cyber insurance kind of came about. And where it really initiated was organizations with high record counts were concerned of the third, you know, the potential for third-party class action litigation if that information was stolen or yeah. compromised, right? So you had a lot of organizations in the retail sector, in the healthcare sector, in the financial institutions sector, where they have these volumes of, you know, sensitive information, and their concern is, you know, yeah, it it's not great if somebody gets in, obviously, right? But what I'm much more worried about is if 50 million people get together in a class and sue me because I didn't protect their information appropriately. Right, right. Interesting. And so that's really, that's really kind of where the third party coverage comes in. So it's, it's anything from, you know, class actions, it could be, uh, you know, regulatory fines and penalties for things like, you know, violations of HIPAA, 
um, and, and OCR fines. Um, you know, it, it, the coverage is very broad when you really kind of, you know, look at it. Even, even, the, even the most trimmed down versions, relatively speaking, of, of cyber insurance are pretty broad. Um, and, and I think the, the reason that we're in the kind of quagmire that we are now in the cyber insurance market is precisely because the coverage works, right? That the insurers are paying out big dollars and the coverage really works. Um, and the quagmire being the insured is okay because they're getting, you know, they're getting their claims paid. Yep. Quagmire being the the Hartfords, the Travelers, the Chubs of the world are not that they don't want to pay. They just need to, you know, sure. be able to better understand, you know, how much they're going to pay, what their risk really is. I mean, they, they have all these models for, you know, forecasting models for hurricanes right. or crash data for auto accidents. Well, that that modeling for for cyber um, is is not as refined, let's say. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think that's, that's a big factor of, you know, the maturity of this line of business is, I think, the development of those models and the fine tuning of those models over time, right? So, you know, we got connected by the folks at CyberCube. Yep. Um, and, you know, they're one of the firms that's in this space that's trying to address that issue of, how do we better model so that we can prepare for a really bad day so that the insurers are there to pay the claims? And I'll tell you, Matt, you know, in my experience, insurers around cyber risk really are there to pay claims. Like they, they, I, I don't experience tons of friction or I didn't experience tons of friction on, on payment of claims. Um, you know, I, I think that that any talk of of that really, in my experience, has has usually hmm. been when cyber insurance is like some small addition to a different type of policy. So like a you know business owner's policy or a, a property policy where there's like some you know small version of cyber insurance listed. That's typically where I would see friction. I you know in in my ten years of broking cyber insurance. I really didn't have a ton of situations, you know, really more than a couple where an insurer was not fulfilling the obligations as laid out in their policy. Interesting. Yeah. So that's, I have no real experience uh, in, in any type of opposite way. I've just, like you alluded to, I've heard that they've been pushing back, but you're saying in the real world, maybe that doesn't happen as, it may be overstated, whether it be yeah. in, in the media or just in business forums, whatever it might be. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think that it's like, it's easy to hate in insurance, right? Because they take your money and then you feel like they don't pay out claims <laughs> when they should, right? You know, like everybody, yeah, 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 everybody yeah. has a car insurance yeah, yeah, yeah. right, right? You oh, know? Totally. And, and I think it's, it's easy to, to do that, but I think it's a lazy you know, a lazy conversation, right? About because cyber, it, right? Yeah, about cyber specifically. So, you know, I, but with all that being said about the claims, that the other side is probably true. Now, keep me straight here. They are being more rigid and um, not rigid. That's not the right. They're they're being more um, 
diligent in how they yeah. write policies, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so one of the one of the one of the bits of guidance we give our clients as we go through, and and as you and I talked about in the past, we we do re- review our clients' policies or work with them as they work with their broker, um, not yeah. as a, not as a you know a registered agent or any stake in the game, just as a cyber expert that understands yeah. the words that are being used in the in the policies. Um, what we tell them first and foremost is don't be dishonest in those in those questionnaires that you've as the underwriting process is going on if you really want to risk your claim not being paid tell somebody you do vulnerability management and then don't do vulnerability management correct correct yeah and i think that's what you know when when insurers are underwriting policies now there is far more diligence around controls around training around you know how you protect your environment how you protect your organization than there really ever have been before but i think that the takeaway there is to recognize that underwriting guidelines underwriting questions in years past have not been sufficient so it's not as if in previous years, we were asking all the right questions and we were getting every piece of information that we wanted to know. And then all of a sudden, all these losses happened. I mean, two years ago, I could place a policy for a customer of $250 million in annual revenue with three pieces of information, two, two of them being what's your company name and what's your address? You know, I mean, like that, that's the kind of thing that, right, you know, right. what we're talking about here, right? So, Yes, the underwriting requirements have exploded relative to what they used to be, but what they used to be, you know, is not a good yeah. kind of measuring stick of what they should have been, right? Yeah, they've gone so zero. Think, to, they've gone zero to hundred, not a, not fifty miles an hour to hundred miles an hour, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Correct. Because um, they, yeah, they were at zero. Right, yeah. and I think the I think the you know the important piece there is that the insurance companies at least from my perspective, are doing the right things to ensure the long-term sustainability of the product. Right. And I think that's, that's, you know, that's the difficult decision or the difficult situation that they were put in is, okay, how do I continue to underwrite this product and build a book of business that's profitable enough that I'm going to be here when somebody needs me to be here? Right? right, because that's the ultimate end goal. When you buy an insurance policy, you buy a piece of paper, and it doesn't really mean anything until you need it, right? And so that's really what the increase in underwriting information, the in- increase in you know having underwriting calls and discussions with underwriters and providing additional information, all of that stuff is for them to make better decisions. So they can be there when you actually need them to be there. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, super interesting. So you you kind of alluded to something there that that you and I have talked about, that I've talked with customers about. There's this, I don't know if it's a groundswell of of comments that maybe the industry, the insurance industry, is going to pull back from cyber um, because they because of all the things we've already talked about. You know, underwriting sure. is is not perfect. They don't have a way to model, like predict the future. Um, they don't know where, you know, cyber is going. And it really, I mean, I, I say this to, to family and, and, and friends and other colleagues all the time. It, it's like 
with when it comes to cyber insurance, it's like there's hurricanes going on all the time. And that's that maybe the costs don't reach that level, of course, because you know, billions of dollars of damage, but but there's so many, or there's like massive car accidents all the time because that's the world we live in in cyber right now. Yep. So with all of that being kind of the background, there is this, this thought that maybe the insurance industry is like, you know what, it's too much, we can't do it. Is, is that what you feel here? You kind of alluded I mean, to, you don't believe that's the case, but. Yeah, yeah, I certainly hear it, right? I mean, yeah. I think there's, you know, there's a, a million voices out there these days you know, anybody can get on LinkedIn and post a video and, you know, well, they're never going to be around and, you know, they're so stupid and they can't figure out, you know, what it is that they want to do in cyber insurance. But, you know, coming from that world, um, I can tell you that, A, it's an incredibly complex problem, right? So you mentioned, you know, kind of equivalency to storm or something like that, right? When you look at the complexity of, of losses of, you know, risks, cyber risk is a, an incredibly complex area of exposure because, you know, you make decisions as, a, as an organization, right? So customer makes, makes decisions. They make decisions around security. They make decisions around controls. They make decisions around training. Right. Right. So there's there's one element. Then you have a threat actor who makes decisions effectively based on those decisions. Right. Okay. Then as an organization, you make reactive further reactive decisions. And then that threat actor has an additional opportunity to reframe and restructure the way that they approach. Hurricanes don't do that. That's right. It's like I was just going to say it's like a hurricane, like saying, you know what? I'm going to come back, reform myself, yeah. increase my wins, and do more damage. Exactly. Right. Yeah, I didn't exactly. get you good enough the first time. Right. Right. It just doesn't and happen. Know, yeah, and I know what's weak now, and I'm going to go after you know. Yeah. Yeah. The, exactly. The sticks and bricks buildings instead of the ones that are made with rebar. You know. That's like right. That doesn't that doesn't happen. And so I think I think it's you know cyber risk is is an incredibly complex and and still you know relatively immature area of, of exposure that that the industry, you know, the cyber insurance industry um, and all of the cyber risk practitioners within that industry are really doing their best to, to try and solve. Now, I think there's, you know, there, there's some justifiable frustration um, in the customer experience, especially over the last year, because I think there's not been always great communication around, you know, changing of of underwriting guidelines, right? So if you're used to saying, hey, here's my, you know, organization name, my address and my annual revenue, give me my cyber quote. And now all of a sudden you have, you know, 35 pages of applications to respond to, and you don't even know what half of those questions mean. Yeah. And now BitSite's got to point at your, your uh, web facing equipment or internet facing equipment. Right. Exactly. It's a whole different game. Yeah, and it and it feels like you're kind of you know in an inquisition, right? And yeah. you didn't know that it was coming. And I, I think that's been an incredibly difficult thing for the the industry as a whole to kind of deal with. And I think you know brokers have done 
their best to try and address that. But realistically, I mean, it, you know, not many brokers invested enough in cyber specialists um, so that when, you know, 2020 and 2021 rolled around and all of a sudden insurers aren't making money writing cyber insurance anymore, there wasn't a ton of folks there at the brokers ready to kind of catch those balls that were dropping, right? Right, right. So yeah. I think it, it created this very difficult situation for customers, for brokers, and, you know, realistically for, for many insureds. I mean, a lot of, or many insurers, a lot of those insurers were, you know, losing their shirts on business, right? Um, yeah, it's basically, there was, there, there was a time, what you're saying, I, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way at, at all, because sure. it's just the, the way it is. It's like a triangle of, of uh, organizations and people that aren't quite um, ready to have the, the, the in-depth technical conversation, not technical, just conversations about cybersecurity and what it all means, the risks that face, like all the technical challenges, all the things we've been talking about that goes to the insurers. They, they didn't know how to properly underwrite it. The brokers, they didn't necessarily know how to properly position it. And the right. customers, you know, the organizations, sure as heck didn't understand, you know, what they were actually buying. Um, right. So it's like a, a, a three, three-legged stool that nobody, <laughs> you know, the, the legs were of different height and different width and different strength. Like right. it, it just wasn't a, it wasn't a solid foundation. I think everything's getting better because business yeah. owners are more adept, brokers understand it more and insurers are, are getting smarter at underwriting. It's just not a perfect science yet, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, I think we'll get there. I think there's, absolutely. you know, there, there's some some partnerships, and I think the the security industry is is trying to get more involved. I think the insurance industry is trying to get them more involved. I think you know there's more kind of knowledge and information and technical exchanges than I've ever seen in the past, and that really does give me hope. I mean, you know, we I think security the security industry and the insurance industry are very, very good at their respective areas of expertise, right? right so right. They, they really get what it is that they do. I don't know that they always get what the other does quite <laughs> as well as they would say that they do. Right? I, I, you know what, maybe I'm the one outlier, but I will admit that I don't understand insurance. <laughs> yeah, well, you're the first person yeah. who's ever said that to me. Yeah, right, 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 exactly. I might have to edit that out so nobody hears it. Uh, <laughs> So uh, let's let's shift gears a little bit. Let's just talk about the the and I, I want to be conscious of time too because I've, I've taken up a, a ton of your time already. Um, so one one thing I think about I've just been thinking about it as we're having this conversation, and I'm not ready to to really say this to clients as a as a mantra. So we we you know we help our clients with risk management, and we 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 think everyone should take a risk based approach to cybersecurity. Because that's what they do with their business, whether they know it or not, yep. right? Um, cyber is just another component of their business. Uh, they, they, I don't think people any longer believe it. They're, you know, it'll never impact them because there's just been too many. It's like, oh, I'll never get COVID. Well, everybody around you gets COVID. So right. yeah, let's, let's come to grips with, you know, cyber is going to be a thing that you're going to experience at some point. So setting aside the basic stuff that we all need to do, you know, do antivirus and vulnerability scanning and firewalls and having a plan, incident response plan and having the right partners to call in for incident response. 
security quickly ramps up into, into really high tech, amazing tools and services. I mean, it's amazing what they can do, like the AI this and the you know, machine learning that and just the, the amount of technology to solve very specific issues that are very real all come with a cost. And I'm not, I'm not saying those products aren't valuable because they really, really are. But if you're taking a risk-based approach and you look at your risk and you're trying to use risk to, to determine what type of products and, and, and solutions and what your security stacks to look like, there's got to be a point where you say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to offload that, that risk. Not, I'm not going to take it on myself and try to mitigate it. I'm just going to offload it to cyber insurance. I think there needs to be more conversation about that. Um, and I don't know how that conversation happens with the insurers or the brokers uh, it, 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 because they just, you know, they want companies to do as much as they can to protect themselves so they, they can minimize their losses. But at some point you can't buy, you know, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars worth of tech stack and also buy that much uh, cyber insurance. It's just, it, it's, you know, the business doesn't support it. So right. it'll be interesting to see how that modeling happens. Um, and actually, yeah. uh, truth be told, that's one of the reasons why we're using CyberCube. What, this is not a plug for CyberCube, this podcast, <laughs> even though they've, they've come up a couple of times. Um, I'm just a fanboy. It's, I can't help that. Yeah, and, I, and I'm quickly becoming one as well. We want to <laughs> use that, that risk modeling, that financial modeling to help deter, help companies make decisions. Instead of just saying, here's your risk, in kind of numeric standpoints, uh, or you know, red green, you know, red yellow right. green kind of stand, uh, way, we want to use finance because everybody understands dollars and cents. Um, That's right. So I think I think we're going to start having more of this conversation, which is you know what, as good as that product really is or that service really is, maybe just a little bit more cyber insurance is what you really need. I, yeah. I, I'm not ready to go there. I'm certainly not ready to go there. So anybody listening, I'm not ready to go there. Um, <laughs> but I, I feel like. At some point, I mean, it's the same thing we do with our cars, right? We we could build our cars safer. You know, they could be yeah. made out of, you know, better steel or titanium or whatever it might be. But the cost is just exorbitant. Right. You can't do it. Right. It's the same right. idea. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, there's a, I think there, you know, in the conversation around cyber risk and and controls and like, where's my next dollar best spent? I don't think it's the complexity of that decision and, and discussion is often really kind of had with intention. And right. what I mean by that is I don't think most organizations are thinking about it in that way. So I don't think most organizations are thinking, okay, if I have let's say $100,000 of leftover you know, money from my security stack, I could either buy this one thing that maybe reduces my risk or, you know, reduces the threat, more, right. threat act or, you know, name a thing, right? Yep. Or does it make more sense for me to buy X amount more of cyber insurance? I think, I think that's where conversations are going. And I think the the more sophisticated brokers are starting to have those also, as we see, you know, the, the self-insured retentions, you know, deductibles, if you will, in cyber insurance increase, because I think organizations are realizing, oh, wow, there's like more skin in the game here than there was previously. Right. Right. So you have to make sure that, you know, 
okay, maybe I don't have all the controls to stop the threat actor, but if I at least have good controls to identify when they're in there and I can start to remediate and deal with them, now maybe I'm, you know, you know maybe that makes a lot more sense, right? Yeah, like yeah. we can't keep them out 100% of the time. So we keep them out as much as we can. We develop tools and resources that apply optics into our environments so that we can, you know, know when they're there. And then we transfer the risk that, you know, realistically, we don't have the investment to cover otherwise, right? Yeah. And that's where yeah. like the cyber insurance piece comes in. Totally. I'm 100% I'm on board. And these, that's going to be an interesting conversation for uh, 2022. So when Michael and I uh, went through our like kind of our first, or, or I think it was the close out the year podcast, like predicting what 2022 was going to look like, cyber insurance was one of the, the things on it. Uh, you know yeah. what, we have to noodle on that, like how that's going to play out because the security space is, should be both extremely proud and a little bit embarrassed on the amount of tools we have to fix problems. I mean, it's stunning, yeah. right? It is. And, you know, I've been doing it for 25 years. There's, there's always been this kind of promise of consolidation. Secure Works has done a little bit of that um, yeah. and, and, and done it very, very well, by mind you. Um, but there's all these point solutions that do very cool things. And it's, this is not a slam on them. It's just super hard to decide what you need to put into place. It might just be easier to just say, you know what, I'm just going to buy more protection. And, yep. and I think that one of the takeaways for any, any of our listeners out there, and keep me straight here because you're the expert. Yeah. One, of the, one of the takeaways should be, you know what, you may not give a lot of thought to your, your P&L or your uh, E&O insurance. Um, take, take at least for now, because there's, it's such a dynamic area, put more thought into uh, considering cyber insurance because yeah. there's, there's a lot more moving parts. There's a lot more things to consider. You know, with, with you know, property insurance, you're, you're not making a decision on whether you buy more smoke detectors for your office. Um, I mean, you kind of have to, first of all, you have to meet certain standards, but it's not, it's not really reducing your risk that has any material effect on your your insurance at least i don't believe so um yep. where in the cyber realm that 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 is because there's so many moving parts does that make sense yeah yeah it does and i think you know i think part of the value of the insurance industry especially in regards to cyber risk is that it can help inform that conversation right so as technology buyers as security professionals are dealing with this, you know, really difficult, I think, task of securing an environment on a limited and most times less than what, you know, they really should have budget. Right. Um, I think the insurance industry can help distill the most critical controls because it, all of that comes out of the information around what causes losses, what are the most frequent vectors of attack, where do threat actors target? You know, I, I think a lot of times we think about threat actors as these, you know, uh, super uh, advanced persistent threats where it's, you know, backed by the, you know, whatever government or, you know, something like that. And they're always looking for like the hottest, most difficult ways to get into environments. I can tell you threat actors are not eagles. They're vultures no. by every stretch of the imagination. They're going for the lowest, 
quickest dollar? How do I get for in? Sure, get out, for sure. For sure. My yeah. And we're, we're, I mean, there's a very, and, uh, to, to cut this off shortly, but, uh, there's a distinct difference between like state sponsored cyber threats that are very targeted. You know, Joe Schmo business isn't facing that. Joe Schmo business owner is facing, you know, the owners of Harbor Technology Group, we're not facing the state sponsored threats. We're, you know, we're, we're facing the, the uh, you know, ransomware as a service, uh, right. the, the, the vultures out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a gang of threat actors that are looking to mug you in the street because you've walked sure. by, not because they're yeah. chasing you down. Absolutely. 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 So I think, I think we need to have another conversation because we try to keep what? these somewhat short and sweet. Let's do another one. This was great. And I think there's a lot, a lot of discussion points here. Um, uh, so I'd like to do it again, if you're willing to do yeah. so. That sounds great. I, I would love to, to, you know, I, I have a lot of passion around this. Um, it's, it's an issue and, and an area that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, and, and, and realistically, I mean, it, it's, it's the reason that I ended up at SecureWorks is to try and marry these two areas in, in cybersecurity and in insurance that I love a lot that's right? great. And, and bring them together. So absolutely, let's do it. We'll, we'll put it on the schedule and we'll, we'll get it done. So because I'm the only other person alive that thinks both of those things are super cool together, let's make sure everybody understands that you're actually a cool cat and like to do other things. And as we yeah. ask everybody uh, on our podcast, uh, being Harbor Technology Group, we always ask for a great harbor or a place on the water uh, that you like to go um, and a place to maybe grab a beer or a burger while you're there. Do you have any ideas? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my, I, so I grew up in Virginia. Um, my grandparents, as long as I ever knew, um, had a, had a place on the Chesapeake Bay on the Rappahannock river, Northern neck. Um, so one of my favorite places, um, is in topping Virginia and it's a place called Merwar. It's right on, uh, it's right on the river. It's, it, you know, you, you literally go and order a glass of wine you order oysters and they literally come directly out of the water onto the plate and you just sit and eat them right there. It's amazing. Very no, it's very no frills. It's very like, you know, come in your cutoff jean shorts right, and right. hang out with your friends and family and just enjoy yourself. So say the place again. Merwar. It's M-E-R-R-O-I-R. So I grew up, um, uh, living in DC a little bit. We love to sail and we sailed on the, the Potomac, uh, but we also uh, would take a, take a sailboat out to uh, onto the bay. We, yeah. uh, for a long time, we just would, would charter a boat and take it out of Annapolis. And typically we'd go South. Um, yep. Is that South of Annapolis? Okay. It is. Yep. Yeah. I was a kid, so I didn't necessarily pay attention to where my dad was taking us. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah. You're there for okay. the ride. That's right. That's right. All right, cool. That's great. I can't wait to look that place up. Um, amazing. Yeah, check it out. So Julian, I really appreciate it. Appreciate your time, uh, all your insight and a great place to get oysters. So that's fantastic. Um, so we'll do it again soon. Um, and we'll talk more. Appreciate yeah, it. Thanks for having me, Matt. Appreciate it. All right. All right, thanks. Yeah.
Harbor's innovative processes are based on industry standard frameworks that are tailored to meet the needs of small and medium-sized businesses. We would also like to thank Tom Marshall for the original music. Yes, that Tom Marshall from Fish fame. Harbor's portfolio of services is designed to meet the cybersecurity needs of small and medium enterprises. We offer a range of services from cyber risk advisory to VCSO consulting to meet specific security requirements without putting a strain on your technology budget. If you like what you heard here, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues. We release new podcasts every other week and are available on Spotify and Apple. You can reach us through our website if you have additional questions or suggest a great harbor we should mention on our next show.